Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Exodus, chapter 25. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Exodus chapter 25, you're looking at verse 1, say amen. Amen. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Speak to the children of Israel that they bring me an offering from everyone who gives it, what saints? Willingly with his heart. You shall take my offering. And this is the offering which you shall take from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet thread, fine linen, and goat's hair, ram skins, dyed red, badger skins, and acacia wood, oil for the light in verse 6, and spices for the anointing oil and for the sweet incense, onyx and stones to be set in the ephod and in the breastplate. And let them make me, in verse 8, make me a what? A sanctuary or a tabernacle that I may dwell among them. According to all that I show you, that is, the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern of all its furnishings, just so you shall make it. Saints, stop right there. Give me your attention. As I mentioned already, we are going to begin tonight a series of teachings on Jesus and the tabernacle. And it's an interesting study. I think that over the next several weeks, you are going to be pretty amazed as we learn so many things from the tabernacle. I mean, so many things we can see from the tabernacle. If you're taking notes, the tabernacle gives us the way of salvation. The tabernacle gives us, we can see the work and the walk of the servant. As we study the tabernacle, we can see the worship of saints. These subjects of all great importance as we look over the next several weeks at the tabernacle. Now, another thing about the tabernacle that we want to point out and that we'll talk about tonight is the tabernacle, are you listening? Points out, gives us parallels or types of Jesus Christ as you look at the tabernacle. You can see a type of Christ. If you're taking notes, you begin right here. We can see a type of Christ, of Jesus, in the tabernacle in seven ways of which we're going to talk about tonight. Number one, the tabernacle had a temporary appointment. A temporary appointment. Secondly, the tabernacle was used in the wilderness. And if you don't get all these, you'll get them later. The tabernacle had a temporary appointment. The tabernacle was used in the wilderness. 
Thirdly, the tabernacle had a humble outward appearance. Again, what we're talking about tonight had a humble outward appearance. Fourthly, the tabernacle was the dwelling place of God among men. The tabernacle was the dwelling place of God among men. Fifthly, the tabernacle was a meeting place of God with men. A meeting place of God with men. Number six, the tabernacle was the place where the priestly family was fed. The priestly family was fed in the tabernacle. And then finally, we'll talk about the tabernacle was the center of Israel's camp. The tabernacle was a temporary appointment. The tabernacle was used in the wilderness. The tabernacle had a humble outward appearance. The tabernacle was the dwelling place of God among men. The tabernacle was the meeting place of God with men. The tabernacle was where the priestly family was fed. And then finally, the tabernacle was the center of Israel's worship. Now, listen, give me your attention. Remember, if you were with us last week, you know that Moses went up on the mountain. Remember, if you were here last week, wave at me, would you? Okay, good. That's a good number of you. You know that Moses was up on the mountain in the presence of God and the whole mountain was shaking, remember? And the nation of Israel was in awe and Nadab and Abihu and Aaron were drawing close and God takes Moses, remember? And he says, Moses, go and speak to the children of Israel in verse one and two. Look at it again in your Bibles. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel. Saints, you know, I found that to be very interesting. Here we have the sovereign God of all the universe. The sovereign God, are you listening? Of all of creation, the God who made everything that we see. Somebody once estimated that God made 11 million creatures that he created in two days. That's an awesome God. I don't know when the last time you made an insect. Anybody in the house? He made 11 million creatures in two days. The sovereign God of all of creation condescends to ask the people according to our text. Did you get that? Notice God says, speak to the children of Israel. Look at it again in verse two, that they bring me an offering. You see that? And how were they to bring that offering? It was to be with what? A willing heart. Do you see that? God condescends to man to ask them to please give from a willing heart. I love that. And it's interesting. I mean, God doesn't, you know, tell Moses to, he's got Moses up on the mountain and says, Moses, here's a, here's a box of offering envelopes. I want you to take those down and give a box to each of the people. Somebody say, man, if you know where I'm, where I'm talking about, you understand. And the dollar amounts are already on the envelope, Mo. Because I don't want the people to mess this up. Because we need to get the money. <laughs> you know, God didn't do that. 
God could have from the mountain said loudly, give me your money. Give me your goal. And the people probably would have said, here you go, here you go, here you go. God could have done that. No, God says, Moses, go speak to the children of Israel and tell them everyone who is willing. You know, in a Hebrew language, listen, it seems to indicate those who are to give willingly are driven from the inside. It's a desire of their heart. And don't you know, Paul said the same thing in second Corinthians chapter nine, verse seven. He said the same thing to the church today. So let each one of us purpose in his heart to give not grudgingly or of necessity because God loves. Don't you know it? A what? God loves a cheerful giver. In other words, listen, and I say that to you tonight. If you give to the church or even if you're visiting and you give to your church, give it cheerfully, because if you don't give it cheerfully, you can't get a reward. Well, here, take it. (laughs) And God's going to go, oh, I'm so happy they're giving. No. You give it because you are driven from the inside out. That's why we don't take up an offering here, which is one of the things here at Calvary Chapel I get the most comments on, by the way. People that come to church for the first time, I know who they are. Because they always walk up after, you know, preacher, you forgot to take up an offering. I don't know. I didn't get taken. We don't take we don't take an offering here. Well, well, how in the world do y'all pay the bills? Well, we trust the Lord. You what? We trust the Lord. Why? I kid you not. Or they try to give me a check. Well, you know what? You forgot to take an offering, but here's a check. I'm like, no, the box on the back wall. We trust the Lord. We always have. And and Lord willing, by his spirit, we're going to continue to trust the Lord. And we're going to continue to allow people to be driven to give. And I personally believe, it's of my opinion, if you feed people and teach them the word of God, the Holy Spirit will speak to them about what they need to do in the church. You don't got to beat people up and... Where's that money? (laughs) Crack the whip on people and beating people up. This is ridiculous. This is crazy. God never established. Somebody need to say amen. amen. God never, ever, ever, ever. He gives you the opportunity to be a part of his kingdom. That's your blessing. That's not his. God's not in heaven happy you're giving your money because it's going to make him more like God. Okay. It's not going to do anything for him. Your giving blesses you. And you need to be driven to give. You you, you purpose in your heart to give. And God loves, the Bible says, a cheerful giver. So God says, notice in verse 2 in your Bibles, it is to be given willingly with his heart. He shall take the offering. And this is the offering. Notice that you shall take in verse 3. Are you looking at it? This is the offering which you shall take. And then we go through the list. 
Now, what we're going to do tonight is we're going to read this list. I'm going to give you the types because as we go through this series in, in Exodus, look at me. When, as we go through the series in, in Exodus and Jesus in the tabernacle, we're going to talk about a lot of types or parallels or pictures of Christ over the next several weeks. We'll develop all of these things. But you want to notice in your Bibles and go ahead and peruse it. God says, take an offering. And the offering that they were to take was gold. In the scriptures, gold is always a type of holiness, deity, or the glory of God. They are to take silver, which, which is always a type of redemption, ransom. They were to take brass, always a type of judgment. Notice they were to take blue in verse 4, which is a type of a heavenly scene, heavenly in nature. They were to take purple, an offering of purple. Purple is a type or speaks of what, saints? Royalty, you know that. And then scarlet. Scarlet is a type of suffering or sacrifice or the blood. And then they were to take fine linen. Linen, fine linen speaks of what? The righteousness of Jesus Christ. Purity. And then they were to take goat's hair. You'll find that in Leviticus chapter 16 as well. And goat's hair speaks of sin bearing. And then they were to take ram skin dyed red. Exodus 29, we'll get there in the coming years. <laughs> ram skin dyed red speaks of consecration and obedience. Badger skins, did you notice that? Badger skins in verse 5. Now, scholars don't really know what that is, and some scholars believe that it speaks of seal skin or even porpoise skin, but it speaks of separation and protection. And again, some scholars disagree with that, but I would hold the position it speaks of separation and protection. And then they were to take acacia wood. Again, in verse 5, are you looking at it? They were to take acacia wood or shittim wood. We'll find that as we move through. And acacia wood speaks of humanity as God created it. Acacia wood actually speaks of uncorrupted humanity as God created it. And then oil. Now tell me oil for the light. Tell me you know what oil represents in the scriptures. The Holy Spirit. Very good. You've learned well, my children. Oil is a type of the spirit or the Holy Spirit. And then notice they were to take spices. You see that? Spices. And spices or incense all the way through scriptures speak of prayer. It speaks of intercession. You might want to make a note in your Bibles in Revelation chapter 5 in verse 8, as well as Revelation chapter 8 in verse 34. Spices or incense speak of prayer and intercession. The types go on and on and on. We'll talk about those over the next several weeks. Now, you might remember in Exodus chapter 12, are you listening? In Exodus chapter 12, don't you remember when the people of Israel came out of Egypt? God told them, remember, to ask their neighbors for gold and silver and precious stones and fine linen. And remember, we talked about this, that the gold and the silver that they were to get from the Egyptians was actually back pay for the 400 years that they were in bondage. So God in Exodus chapter 12. Now, if you were with us, you know this. 
God never told them what they were going to do with that gold and silver and precious stones. God never said, get this, and this is what we're going to do with it. God just told them, before you leave Egypt, you go and get your money. Get your back pay for the wages of building and the slavery in Egypt for 400 years. God never told them what they were going to do with it. Now we see here in our text that God had already planned that when they walked out of Egypt with all of these treasures, that God was going to use all of these treasures to build the tabernacle or to build the place of worship. A tabernacle. John chapter 1 verse 1. Are you listening? In the beginning was the word. Somebody say it with me. And the word was with God and the word was God. The word in John chapter one speaks of who? Then if you jump down to verse 14, we see the Bible then tells us in John chapter one, verse 14, that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And he was full of grace and he was full of truth. Now, that word dwelt in the Greek language, if you're taking notes, you can write this down, literally means tabernacled, tabernacled. In other words, on Christmas morn, Jesus came to the earth and tabernacled or dwelt among us or Jesus tabernacled and pitched his tent among us. And then Isaiah told us, Emmanuel, God with us. I don't know about y'all, but that gets me excited. God with us, Isaiah told us. So here we are now, we're talking about the tabernacle. Let's point out seven ways that the tabernacle in the wilderness is a picture of Christ. I gave you the outline. Point number one, if you're still taking notes and traveling with me, the tabernacle had a temporary appointment, a temporary appointment. The tabernacle was a tent of meeting that God told Israel that they were to place, take with them in the wilderness so that they would have a place of worship in the wilderness. The tabernacle, let me tell you a little bit about it. The tabernacle was a long rectangular tent of badger skins. The tabernacle was 45 feet long, 15 feet high, and 15 feet wide. The tabernacle was actually divided into two rooms. We have the holy place and the most holy place. The holy place, now we've got an aerial view of the, the holy place and the most holy place. The holy place was 30 feet long and 15 feet wide. In the holy place, on the right was a table of showbread to the north, and on the left, south, was the golden candlestick. And straight ahead, was the altar of incense and behind it was the veil of the temple and behind the veil of the temple was the Holy of Holies. Now, as you look from that aerial view, you can see you have the first compartment is called the Holy Place. 
Behind that, you can see there's a veil between. That's a, a, a 18 inch thick. We'll tell you more about it as we go through, but it's an 18 inch thick. That's very thick veil that separates the holy place and the most holy place, or some people call it the holy of holies. It's in the holy of holies that you have the mercy seat. And all on top of the mercy seat dwelt the Shekinah glory of God. The presence of God was in the most holy place or the holies of holies. Can you go back to my first picture? I don't know if that's possible, but can you go back to my first picture? Because I want you to see that in the courtyard and in the courtyard, it was surrounded by a fence and it was made of skins. That fence there it looks like a wall, but it actually is kind of a fence that was made of skins about 75 feet wide, 150 feet long. Inside the courtyard was the brazen altar. Can you guys see that? Say amen if you can see that. The brazen altar. Fire was always burning for the sacrifice. The bronze laver was there where the priest would wash after the sacrifice was offered. And again, we'll talk more about this as the weeks go on and study the significance of all of these things. So as Israel would travel, they would tear down and set up the tent. It was a temporary appointment because, listen, the tabernacle was for a time in the wilderness. The tabernacle was for the 40 years that they wandered in the wilderness. Jesus in the tabernacle. Jesus, the Bible teaches, and you know if you've been here, always existed. But his appointment here on earth was temporary. Jesus' life here on earth, his time on earth, was 33 years. And just like the tabernacle was designed to be moved, it could be taken down and set up with ease. It was continually on the move. So Jesus was continually on the move. You study his life, you see. First of all, he was on the move when he was uprooted from heaven. Willingly. And he came down to the earth. And while here on earth, he was on the move from town to town. And he went place to place looking for people who were lost. And then after the resurrection, Jesus was on the move as he made his way back up to heaven. And get this, right now the Bible says he is seated at the right hand of God. And someday, just like the tabernacle was on the move, are you following me? Someday, Jesus is going to be on the move again. What do you mean, Rodney? Because he's coming back. He was on the move. Just like the tabernacle, Jesus' life was a temporary appointment, just like the tabernacle. Point number two, if you're still traveling with me, the tabernacle was used in the wilderness. Again, the use of the tabernacle was 40 years while Israel was in the wilderness. And you know, Jesus left the throne of glory, came to this wilderness called earth. Jesus came to the wilderness of the manger cradle. Jesus even spent time literally in the wilderness. You know that when he was tempted by the devil, Jesus lived a wilderness lifestyle. The Bible says that he had no place to lay his head. Had you ever thought about that? The king of kings and the Lord of lords had no place to lay his head. I mean, think about that. He denied himself of many things that we could inherit 
all things. He left his throne in glory that we could live with him in glory. The tabernacle was used in the wilderness and Jesus was in the wilderness of the earth. Point number three, the tabernacle had a humble outward appearance. The tabernacle had a humble outward appearance. I mean, the tabernacle is a picture of Jesus first coming. He came and he dwelt among men and there wasn't anything impressive about the tabernacle. And when you look in the life of Jesus and you look at Jesus, Isaiah tells us that there was no form, no comeliness where we should desire him. Did you know there wasn't really anything impressive about Jesus and his appearance? I mean, Jesus looked like an average guy, nothing impressive. I mean, Jesus didn't have a lot of glamour. Jesus had a very humble appearance. If Jesus lived today, I I don't think that he would have made it in the People magazine's 50 Most Beautiful People. I don't think he would have. Jesus was ordinary in appearance. He didn't stick out in the crowd. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.